0: So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast, where we interview really cool people and figure out what's going on inside their heads so we can grab that knowledge and share it with our listeners and our viewers. And today I have the privilege of uh, having a dear friend on the show, Barry Williams. Barry Williams has been a principal of a school, leader of large organizations, philanthropic work, a Boy Scout, an Eagle Scout. Barry, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Margot. Good seeing you.
0: Oh, it's uh, such a treat uh, being able to kind of chat about leadership. For a long time now, I've been really interested in uh, what happens at school and how it relates to business because I've met a lot of women that used to be teachers Mm-hmm. And now our CEOs, and they're incredibly talented. And sometimes I ask them, did your training in elementary school with kids help you in dealing with the leadership team in your company? And they go, God, yes, it has helped a lot. So I thought it'd be great having you on the show and talking about your uh, time as uh, a principal in, uh, in a high school and how that relates, the leadership lessons there, how they relate to what you did in your career, leading organizations of hundreds
1: of people. Thank you. Uh, I will share with you, uh, quite honestly, being a high school principal was one of my favorite jobs, and I've had a number of jobs. But in terms of being able to get really at the front line and working with uh, students and teachers and, and parents, you're not going to find any better spot than to be as a principal. And I'll tell you a couple of different reasons why. One, you have about 1,500 for me, 1500 students there, which is a huge number of folks. And so you learn how to divide and conquer. So you try to get it to know as many different students as possible, but you do it by grade level. And so right. the students, I would start with the seniors because they're going to be the ones uh, with me the least and try to get to know them by name and by where they were going and other kinds of things, and then down to the freshmen. They were the ones that I worked on the last because I was going to have them a lot much longer period of time. So let's pause there just for a
0: second, Barry, because uh, ultimately knowing someone, knowing their name seems like a trivial thing, but it's a really important thing. Why do you think that was important for you to do and for them to hear?
1: So. Uh, When you are anonymous, you can do all kinds of things because you believe that you can get away with that. And when students found out that I knew their name, knew where they lived and may know their parent, then it was a whole different piece. Then I became very real to them and they were very real to me. They were no longer just a face in the crowd. And so that took on a whole new way of dealing with students. I started um, by being out in the bus stops and mm-hmm. those that I didn't know their name, you know, I would just ask them, you know, uh, son, tell me your name for, excuse me, tell me your name. I'd, I'd really like to know that. And they tell me that and I'd practice hearing it in my head a few times to make sure I could identify the face with the name. And so that went on right from the beginning, I would say for at least the first three months of the school year. um, I went on looking that kind of identification. And when I would see them in the hallway, or in classrooms, or in the cafeteria, I would say, hey, Umar, hey, good to see you. Glad you're here. You know, or if Umar came in a little bit late, I would say, Umar, I'm glad you made the choice to come to school. Now, how about tomorrow, you come in a little bit earlier. So you can be there on time for your first period class.
0: So what's interesting is you were just using an example, using Umar as the name. But when you said, Mm -hmm. hello, Umar, my face went into a smile. It was just an automatic Uh reaction when you hear your name. And one of the things I think is really important is intent. Like your intent clearly is to connect and to respect. And because of that, it's a totally different uh, interaction because you could have someone that just wants to remember names Mostly record negative right. stuff, and then you can just sense it. So how important do you think intent is in meeting uh,
1: people? Absolutely. Because, you know, when I'm asking them their names, I tell them, I, just, I want to get to know as many different folks as possible, like to find out who you are. You know, so I could tell just by being at a bus stop um, what bus came from where so I knew what neighborhood they lived in. You know, so I had a general sense about them as an individual. Um, but also just overall, who they hung out with you know, you see kind of patterns of behavior oh, yeah. kind of immerse. And so if there was some um, positive stars, I found those positive stars. If there were negative stars, I found those negative stars. And I worked with them to make sure that I especially learned who they were so that they would know that, you know, hey, I'm invested with you. You know, I want you to know that i am make a connection and the connection is gonna happen before you're called in for something that you should not have been doing. Right. So were you a teacher before you were a principal? I was, for a small period of time, I have a master's in counseling as well. So I went from being in the classroom teacher to uh, being a counselor. And that's really where I learned how to be a much better and more effective listener uh, to my students and to all people in general. Interesting. So as you were going through
0: this high school experience as principal, who were your mentors? Who were people inspiring you to and guiding you to do a better job?
1: So I had some um, leadership mentors. Um, One was my area superintendent at the time, Evelyn Chapman. And I learned some really key things that made a lot of sense to me. For example, Evelyn would say, um, always start a meeting on time. Uh, don't wait for people who are coming in late. You don't want to reward people for poor behavior. So they need to learn that, and, you know, things are going to, you need to be there on time. And so I carried that through, you know, a couple of different um, schools where I was uh, positioned. I remember one school when I was in Baltimore City, it was Southern High School. And um, I sent out a notification for the teachers to come in between 8.30 and 9 for a continental breakfast. Right. And I said the meeting was start at 9 o'clock. The meeting would end at 10. So at 9 o'clock, there were only six out of the possible 50 or so odd teachers who should have been there. And so I said, well, I'm going to start. And I did. And I had a whole list of things that I was going to be covering. Different folks kind of drifted in. And about five of 10, the last of the teachers came in. And I remember this one who said, "Uh, can you go back over some of that things? And I said, absolutely not. I told you that we were starting our meeting at nine o'clock. We are ending our meeting at 10 o'clock. If you want to find out the material that I covered, I suggest you talk to one of the six people who were here on time, and tomorrow, we will again meet at 9 o'clock. Well, the next day, uh, I would say three-quarters of the folks were there before I got there, and I've- I got there 15 minutes early. So it's kind of setting expectations and make sure that you follow through on the things that you said you were going to be doing.
0: So it sounds like your mentor was really uh, talking about respect because that's what comes out. Is Because I did this... Uh, as I was trying to get better at doing workshops, I joined uh, Fred Pryor. They do a lot of workshops around the country. I became one of their trainers and started uh-huh. uh, using a lot of my material as I was doing it. And one of the exercises I would do is I would ask people, it could be you know, 30 people from a tire plant. Half of them didn't have high school educations, or it could have been uh, PhDs in, in Boston, No matter where in the country I went or what their socioeconomic status was, I asked them, you know, think of somebody you admire as a leader and what are the attributes that you admire? And then people would put the attributes down and all around the room, there would be 120 attributes around uh, on flip chart paper. Then I'd tell them, okay, let's pick your top five. When you go to the one that you like the most, put five check marks next to it. Number two, four, number three, three, and so on. When everybody put all the check marks in, what was interesting was this, is that uh, as a set of lists, all the lists were different. Mm-hmm. But when you pick the top five, didn't matter which group it was, where in the country, they always picked the top five attributes of a leader. And mm-hmm. one of the big ones was respect. Great leaders respect the people they're leading. They have great communication skills. They have a vision of what they want to accomplish. They have integrity, and a few other things kind of came out of it. But it was really interesting. It's all the fundamental stuff of being a human being is the same thing you need to be a great leader.
1: I I believe in that. You know, to follow through with um, you know my time being a principal, I would uh, share with folks we would meet for an hour. If I ever had to go over, I would negotiate with them. I said, listen, folks, I have about another five more minutes. If you have to leave, by all means, leave. I said, but um, is it okay that we spend an additional five minutes so I can cover this? And So again, asking them as opposed to telling them. Because again, I had followed through on saying that we'd begin at a certain time, we'd end at a certain time. After that, this negotiation so I carry the same thing with um, with folks, that they had an assignment that needed to be done. I said, you know, pick, you pick the time um, and hopefully we can agree upon that. And that's when you need to have this done by. If you are not able to meet that timeline, you need to let me know at least three days beforehand. Right. Uh, it's not okay to, you know, uh, tell me on the day that it's due that you can't do it. So, And that was a lesson for some folks as well. They learned very quickly that, um, you know, if they came to me to say that, you know, on the day of, that, well, no, I need a little bit more time, I said, I've already shared that you should have negotiated with me. I was available all during this time. So the answer is no, you will not have any more time. So sometimes it's a hard lesson for some folks. Some folks think that... um, you know, the last word is not necessarily the last word. Right. And I wanted to make sure that I was consistent. With if I said something, I meant it. And that's one of the things uh, that people have to trust in the leader.
0: Mm-hmm. And. Sometimes may not like the answer or what happens, but as long as the leader's constant and they have integrity, that's the foundation that uh, you can build an organization on. So Barry, right. before we leave high school behind and kind of go into your career leading you know, large groups of people, is there one particular student that comes to mind that you can protect the name to protect the innocent that was a problem child that you got to mentor and kind of turn their life around?
1: uh i don't know if i can uh, attribute all that i did to turning this person's life around but i've had a couple of students who uh later years have said you know mr williams if it wasn't for you i would not have graduated from high school and you know i'm always surprised when i hear that and they said no 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 and and they remind me of some of the things that i would do for example i had this one young man who was consistently late and uh, so I said, okay, I really need you to start my day off. I need you to get here at this particular time. I need you to come in and, you know, have a little conversation with me because I need to be in the right frame of mind to work with all of these 1,500 students, 106 teachers, and yada, yada. And he, we did that. We did that for about three months. Nice. There were some days we couldn't make it, but, you know, and, but I would let them know and say, hey, listen, I have to go to a meeting, uh, stop by the secretary and make sure you tell her what you were going to be telling me. Right. Nice. So that was one of the pieces. Um, there was uh, some students that uh, rather than suspend or expel, I would run a Saturday uh, suspension with just me and that student. And so we'd really have a conversation. It was kind of like the breakfast club, if you remember oh, yeah. that old. Movie. That's you know, what was coming have, to like,
0: mind when you said that.
1: Yeah. yeah, but we'd sit there and talk, and um, I think, um, and I, I'm kind of wandering around your question on that, but the thing that was perhaps most key, uh, I learned after the first graduation, thinking that I knew all of the students, and I found out at graduation that there were some people there that I had never seen before, or don't remember seeing them. And so after that, and I carried it through, I required anyone who was going to be graduating on stage, they had to have a half an hour meeting with me before they could graduate. And so that meant that I had to start. And when you have about 400 students in a class, you had to start (laughs) in September to be able to get through to May like that. But it really worked out well. And I said, you're coming in for an interview, so you need to dress up. You need to make sure that you have your career plans in place. And, you know, so many of them didn't, but they were at least thinking about that. So, again, setting higher expectations. And during that time, I got a real good chance to know those students. So that was another vehicle that I used to make sure that I knew who was in the school, knew who Umar was, what his plans were, or if he didn't have plans, maybe make some suggestions as to what Umar could be doing to better make sure that his plans after high, post high school were intact. So Barry, did you ever see this movie Take the Lead with Antonio
0: Banderas? Uh, no, I did not. You should, uh, I'll send you a link. You should take a look at that. I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. It's based okay. on a, a true story. This guy goes into uh, Brooklyn High School, and there's some misbehaving kids there that mm-hmm. he's encountered, at least in the movie. But in real life, he went to the school, and he said, I want to teach your children ballroom dancing I think it's the funniest thing ever because you know those kids are never going to do it but it really got people to dress up and feel great about themselves and so it sounds like that's what you were doing respecting kids and offering them to step up and the story you told of that young gentleman where oftentimes people won't do things for themselves but they'll do things for others and when you said you got to help me start my day off right was a really good technique to get him to step up in order to help and, of Mm -hmm. course, help himself. So totally brilliant. So Barry, you've led many organizations, some of them nonprofits, some of Mm -hmm. them you know where you're the boss. Mm -hmm. Tell me about one of your biggest lessons where you were struggling to figure out how to get this organization to be what it needs to be. And what were the epiphanies you got that allowed you to do that transformation?
1: i think one of the i don't know if it's as much of an epiphany but is trust the process of using the things that i already knew how to do with uh, young people and applying that to the older adults right. essentially when i learned that was my most recent uh place of employment was working with a manufacturing group it was uh it was medical cannabis and mm-hmm. uh, so um the The folks there ranged from the ages of 20s something to like in the 50s. But what I found was that people still had the same needs. The whole notion of I want to be heard, I want to be respected, uh, I want to feel welcomed. All of those things were if they had any universal. A nice, absolutely, everyone wants to, everyone wants to feel welcome. So with uh, this one, I uh, I learned because they had complained about. No one from the senior staff really listens to them or cares for them. So I would start my mornings off, and we, they would have different groups. They would meet at different times to start off their assignments and you know, get their, um, uh, all their assignations and things. And, and so I would always have something positive to try to say at the end of that. You know, a lot of times it was kind of um, here are the activities that are going to be happening, yeah, here's what you can be looking forward to. It was a big uh, boost for me to encourage them to further their education. So I worked out a deal with the community college, and you know we brought in instructors there. So nice, you know, you know that's again things that I knew how to do, but it was easy to kind of just bring it forward. You know, the biggest piece was to try to help the senior leaders know that actually this what I'm doing works. And so, um, this is, um, you know, trust the process on this one there. Absolutely. And I think fundamentally what we've been talking about, whether
0: you're in a relationship, a marriage or their employees or their kids in school, the fundamental human need that we have to be heard. A lot of things that I hear from people on exit interviews is that my manager was there, but wasn't listening. You can just tell when someone's distracted with something else. So, people need uh, to be heard, need to be respected, need to be led. Like, it's your job as a leader to get the best performance out of the people you lead. And when you shirk your responsibilities, it's harmful to the organization, it's harmful right. to the employee. But to do that, you have to build that trust with each individual, and you need to have the right intent.
1: Right. I will share with you that I had a secretary, um, and this going back to when I was in high school. Uh, as a principal, um, she always had a whole list of things that she would want to run with me, and um, or run through to me. And uh, I remember one particular time she said, "Well, I really need to have your time for her to go over this list. And I said, quite frankly, I don't have the time right now. However, at four o'clock, we will have one complete half an hour, and you can run everything that you have, for me, she was fine with that. I made sure at four o'clock I was there on time. Nothing else could have mattered, you know. But I was listening to her, so I gave her her time. So I share that to say that you know you don't always have to uh, capitulate. Uh, you can let folks know, okay, I I don't have this. I'm not able to do this during this particular time, but uh, here is when I can. And when I give you my time, I will fully give you all of my time. And it works. You just need to make sure that you follow through with that. You can't be telling folks you're going to be doing that and then not following through. Absolutely. So Barry, I'm going to ask you two questions that are kind of complex, and the answers might be the
0: same for both. Okay. Question one. One of the problem areas for organizations is middle management Mm -hmm. because people are in the working ranks and they kind of step up into a managerial role. And oftentimes that's troublesome for them because their co-workers are below them and so what three pieces of advice would you give new managers that they should know that would help them become better managers
1: seek out as much training as you can about leadership uh do not make the mistake of thinking that once you are a manager that your former peers are going to be viewing you in the same way they will not even though you may think that you haven't changed, uh, they perceive that you've changed. And so you need to be very much aware of that. Um, and, and seek the advice of someone who has been in management for a longer period of time. You know, ask for feedback. Ask right. to be mentored. Huge. So here's the second question.
0: Sometimes when we're doing a job for a while, Uh, We get into a rhythm or a rut, however you want to describe it. So for people that are managers, CEOs of companies, there's lots of things on their radar. What would be the three pieces of advice you'd give them to be better leaders so they can actually, and I'm talking about that human equation, how you get the most out of your people. What would be the three pieces of advice you'd give them?
1: Uh, Seek the advice from your people, real advice, not just to, um, you know, the, uh, to feather your nest, to think that okay, I'm doing a really good job and tell me how good of a good job I'm doing. You know, but really ask for something really, um, something that's really objective uh, that may be a little tough for you to hear. You have to put your ego aside for the sake of the organization. Right. Um, I think that you need to be able to give uh, feedback uh, quickly. Uh, to folks, even if it's uh, not a positive one, you need to make sure that happens upon the whatever the offense may be. Right. You need to give people feedback and accurately, but don't dwell on it. You know, I, I believe the minute manager kind of a thing. You know, if you need to give people feedback, tell them what it is that you had expected, tell them how they can remedy it, and tell them your expectations from there.
0: You nice. can do all of
1: them in a minute. Brilliant. Barry, before we uh, part company, is
0: there one mind hack, one trick that you use to be more productive, happier, better looking? Like, What would that be?
1: <laughs> I think that, so um, um, when I was leaving the county, uh, the county executive asked for uh, some advice. I said, you've been around for a long time, you know, yada, yada. And I said, uh, um, listen more, speak less. Words to live by. Yeah. Barry, thank you so much for being on the program. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Always good seeing you, my friend.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming. And that is the fastest way get better results.